Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome back. Today, I have a unique episode for you. My friend, Charles Chen, recently interviewed me for his newest podcast, and I had such a blast recording it. If you don't know Charles or have listened to our podcast where I interview him, he's the creator of Zeal Wellness Media, and he's one of the most sought-after chefs and wellness entrepreneurs. I enjoyed our conversation so much, I wanted to drop it in here for you so that you can take a listen as we dive deeper on positively shifting your relationship with food and your body and what it really takes to create true sustainable change. I share more about my personal story and the journey that I'm still on, and I trust you're going to find value and inspiration to help you wherever you are on your health and wellness journey as well. And make sure to stay to the end because I'm going to leave you with some actionable steps to take with you this week and implement right away. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Today, I have a super exciting guest, Sarah Ann Stewart, my great dear friend, And we share a lot of things in common because we both struggled with eating disorders, but kind of on different spectrums, but kind of the same thing. So I want you to really dive into it. Sarah, tell us about your story because you struggled with, you know, an eating disorder for over, what, 10 years? 10 years. years. And I want to know because you also were navigating being in the fashion and beauty industry. You're a model for many years. And I kind of want to know, Did that contribute to the eating disorder? Where did it stem from? Lots of questions. Lots of questions. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm so excited to be here with you. I love you so much. And I'm just so grateful for all that you do for the world and and all the people that you help. I think it's so important that we start to have these conversations. So thank you. I started my wellness journey really as a child. I grew up, surprisingly, in the middle of Michigan in a really holistic environment. Both my parents were reading us Deepak Chopra books and Wayne Dyer books, and I was learning about past life regression and karma and all of these things as a kid. And I remember my father at the age of, around the age of 15, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I remember sitting with the doctors and the doctors saying that there were these different procedures. And I remember my dad saying, have you ever seen a miracle? And the doctor said, the doctor to the said doctor, this? No, oh, my dad oh. said this to the doctor. And the doctor was like, no, we don't see many miracles around here, but we're going to be hopeful. But this doesn't look good, right? This is terminal cancer. And my dad said, you're going to see a miracle. And he walked out. And at that age, I was angry because I put trust in the doctors. I was like, we have to listen to what they're saying. What are you doing? Why are you leaving? And so we go home. And my dad starts to meditate and he starts to do yoga and he starts to use positive affirmations. And he said, I will be led to what I need to cure this cancer. And over the next seven months, he was led to all these different people who were healing cancer through alternative medicine and 
and different means of healing through mind, body, and spirit. And so I watched my father cure cancer, but the irony of it was at the same time, I was scouted to model. So I witnessed this profound healing in him where the doctors were like, what did you do? We don't understand this. This was a misdiagnosis. Something in our side was wrong. And my dad was like, I told you, you were going to see a miracle. And then at the same time, I'm scouted to model. And within two weeks, instantly, I developed a series of eating disorders where I was told you have to stop working out. You're too big for the industry, but yet we still want you to be in it, but yet you have to change your body. And so- How old were you? So the first thing that I did was like a pageant. I did like a pageant. I won Miss Photogenic. And then I started winning these different modeling small competitions. And then I was scouted and then signed a larger contract with an agency in Chicago. And at that time, I was like thinking, how is this girl with this really good head on her shoulders, all of a sudden feeling low self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence in this new environment, in this big city? But I saw this path and this journey of you get to move out of the small town, you get to experience the world, you get to have these things that you never would have had growing up in the small town. And so for me, it was this gateway out. And so I was willing to suffer my health for this bigger picture, this image of what I thought my life was going to look like. That was your why at the time. That was your driving like motivator. That out. was my why. It was like handing this golden ticket to this little girl from a small town and saying, you get to have this big city experience. And so I began to develop eating disorders, which lasted for 10 years. Flash forward, a doctor literally sat me down and said, if you do not make a change in your career and do not make a change now, you're going to lose your life. And at that time, I was abusing laxatives. My adrenals were shot. I was in a very, very serious place. And I remember flashing back and thinking, how did I get to this place? How did I get to a place where looking back, I have so much shame and guilt that I can't even call my parents knowing the power of food and how it healed my father, and yet on my side, witnessing how much it destroyed my own life. And so I had to go through this process of really healing myself and healing the mind-body connection. And I thought, because my father had cured his cancer with food, that nutrition was the way out. And so I dove into different nutrition programs and courses and education. But the interesting thing, which I teach a lot of my clients, is the more nutrition information I got, the more disconnected I got from my internal experience because I was putting my trust in all the experts. I was putting my trust in all the different protocols. And so I was bouncing from protocol, but again, not looking within. And then finally I met a meditation teacher who said, are you willing to finally do the work? And Mm. I was so confronted. He's like, are you willing to actually do what you need to do to heal? Because physically you're better, but emotionally you're not. You still have anxiety, you're still stressed, you still don't want your picture taken, you still don't have the self-love, the self-esteem, the self-confidence that you desire. So are you willing to unlearn the way that you were taught to suffer, meaning cultural conditioning, media conditioning, and then the conditioning from my childhood. And what I realized was that I chose the modeling industry not because of the big ticket, but because I wanted the self-validation that I didn't get from my mother growing up. And so there was this lack of self-love that I felt from her that I always craved, that I always wanted, that I never felt like I got that approval or that I was never good enough. And so I chose an industry and chose a career, and I think many of us do this, that reflects the wounding pattern in which we grow up with. Yeah. So whether that's chasing that career, chasing the money, the financial success. So as I started getting these things, my self-worth didn't change because I was still seeking them outside of myself. And as we talked about earlier, your addictions get transferred, your wounding patterns get transferred. And so until you heal and say, wow, I can love myself and witness myself as I am now, I can feel the self-worth and self-esteem and self-confidence as I am now, without anything else, 
we're still going to be chasing. And so I ended up going into practice and coaching people on nutrition. And then as I started applying these principles of affirmations and meditations and visualizations and mirror work and doing all the things that my coach had really recommended. And at that time I was fully committed. I was like, this is it. I am fully committed to so making this change. you modeling at the time yeah. to focus so on I stopped, coaching. I stopped modeling because I knew that I was sacrificing my health and I knew that I was at a place where it was no longer acceptable to be in that career, in that environment and in the toxicity of it. Were there enablers, like while you were struggling with your health, were you applauded by your agents and like people in the industry like, oh yeah, you look great. Was there anything that was like supporting the old lifestyle? Yeah. So what was so sad was when I finally faced my truth, I realized that I had to disconnect myself from my entire life that I knew. And what I realized was that I had chosen people and relationships and agents and even the agency in which, again, validated that lack of self-worth and continued to play into that. And so when I disconnected, I shut down social media. I literally shut down everything. I went to Australia. I went backpacking. I was like, I'm here to find myself. And in that process of coming back to New York, meeting this coach and really diving into this work, I realized that although I had shut out everyone and had disconnected from everyone and had really created this distance from the life that I had knew, which is a beautiful part of the process, and I honor anyone for being able to make those choices, your mind goes with you everywhere you go. So even though I was running across the world to the other side of the planet, literally the planet, my mind was still focused on negativity, anxiety, mm. stress, pain, suffering. And those patterns and that looping pattern did not go away from running away. Because it's, it's all within. It's all within. So I had to literally look at every single story. I had to start breaking it down. I had to start doing morning journaling, nighttime journaling. I had to start waking up in gratitude, going to bed in forgiveness, all the things that you and I talk about, but really saying, I am willing to be consistent with this and I'm willing to put in the work and I'm really willing at this point in my life to confront the pain because I can't outrun this anymore. And regardless of a relationship I choose, regardless of what career I choose, regardless of even what food I choose, it doesn't matter if my physical body looks good. I am healthy and my doctors are signing off that I'm better. My mind will just again transfer this addiction to something else. It's going to transfer it to alcohol. It's going to transfer it to dating. It's yeah, going to transfer sex, to drugs, whatever. sex, drugs, all the things. And so I luckily in the process of recognizing this, and I think going away was the best decision for me because it opened my eyes to the fact that this is fundamentally who I am. And if I want to operate from a different place, I have to fundamentally change who I am and change my identity yeah. from being the girl who only knows herself as the girl of what she looks like, how she takes a photo, what clothes she wears. Her entire identity was based around ego. And narratives that any form or people that support that narrative, you surrounded yourself from in that environment just to protect the ego mm -hmm. and that old story, old version of Sarah. Exactly. And I love that we're tying it to transformation because as I mentioned, like the infinity sign, the idea of eight is lifelong journey of transformation. Where are you now? And what mm -hmm. are you letting go of now? Because we're always evolving and in, into the next chapter. You told me earlier that one thing that resonated with you years ago, mm -hmm. reading that journal, you're like, I'm not that same girl anymore. Yeah. Like, I can't believe I even had that belief system. So what belief <laughs> systems or what are you working through now? Yeah. 
It's so powerful too, as you witness, I love journals because it literally shows your evolution of yourself and how the way you spoke, the way you thought, the way you feel is so different even a month ago to how you are operating in this space. What's really been profound in my shift is taking on the belief that I truly want to look like me and I chose this body for the purpose that I have on this planet and reconnecting with my why, as we talk a lot about. Yeah. And what is my why? Why do I want to be here in service to women around the world? And what does that look like? And I chose this body to have the career I want to have, to attract the people I want to attract, to serve in witnessing pain and discomfort and suffering and in being able to move through that. Like It's all divinely orchestrated for me. And I think when we let go of the, I wish I looked like someone else and started embodying the belief where I'm so grateful for this body that I'm given. I'm under the spiritual practice that we chose it for the reasons that we're meant to learn and the lessons we're meant to learn and why we're here. And when we begin to body the belief of the acceptance and surrender that to some extent I can only change my body slightly, right? There's an acceptance and surrender of energy that says, okay, this is my body. This is what I've been gifted with. And the gratitude of, I chose this for this why. And so that's what the belief system that I've really been embodying recently. And a lot of things that I teach my clients is, what if we shifted the paradigm from, you know, like, I wish I looked like that girl out there. I wish that I had that body. I wish that I Mm. had that amount of- That's giving your power away right away. It's giving your power away. It's basically disconnecting from your greatest blessing and vessel on this. Like your body gives you life to do what you're doing and you're basically shitting on your body all day. And when I realized that I was shitting on my body all day, wishing I looked like someone else to make more money, Yeah whether that was plastic surgery, whether that was dying my hair, whatever it was. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if we're doing them from the egoic place of saying, I want to feel good because I feel unworthy and I want that hit, that quick hit. Dopamine release, social media, that person, like we all have those special Mm -hmm. relationships and modalities that we get that quick fix. Even for me, like it was food. It was like, oh, get that fix and I'm good, you know? Yeah. So it's been a really beautiful process and seeing and witnessing, even going, I went to a yoga class the other day and I don't know why no one showed up for this class. I was like the only one there and there were mirrors all the way around the room. And so, you know, you can't hide from like mirrors on every single side of you. So I'm just witnessing my body in this room with like a couple other people and just in full gratitude. And what's so interesting is 10 years ago, I would have been the entire yoga class, I would have been, oh, you need to work on this area. Oh, judging that. Oh, why do you look like that when you do this pose? But it has shifted to, wow, your body can move through this entire yoga practice with grace and ease and having gratitude that I get to show up in service every day. Did some of that inner dialogue come from childhood, from mother um, critiques? Because I'm just diving deeper. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I love my mother and she was very much in a space of living her, what she didn't get to have in her life through us. And I think a lot of parents do this, right? They want the best for their children. So they over critique. So they over critique and they, the perfectionist comes out and that they want the best for their kids. So I was in ballerina and dance and piano and art and mm-hmm. all of the things and just over consumed and I had to be good in all of them. 
And I had to be a four-point student. And if I wasn't a four-point student, then I wasn't worthy of mm. doing anything with my life. And then if I didn't get the best grades to go to the best SAT scores to go to the best college, what's so funny is I didn't even graduate from college. <laughs> yeah. I went to four different colleges and have an yeah. associate's degree, but like I didn't even complete my education because I think at that point, I was in so much rebellion against the traditional model of saying, I need to heal this perfectionism in me. I need to heal this part of myself that says I need to do it this way. Otherwise, I won't be happy. And I was able to find my own way on my own terms. But a lot of it was the self, the critical mindset that turned into the internal critical voice where everything had to be perfect. Otherwise, I was unworthy of love and relationships. I was unworthy of love for myself. I was unworthy of a career that I thought could be created. And so I've been breaking down this story over and over and over again. And, and I catch myself. And there's moments where I have to bring myself back. And there's a really powerful exercise that my coach taught me, which is pause, observe, and then proceed. And so any moment that you're triggered, any moment that there's an emotional response where you don't feel good, it's like pause, observe, what is this feeling? and then proceed in the way that uplifts you for your highest level of well-being and happiness. But take that time to separate your past, your mindset, your thoughts, yeah. your old experiences that aren't yours. They're projections upon you. And I hear a lot of times where people go into this like blame game, well, all these people projected all these things for my whole life and media and cultural conditioning. Yes, that's true. These are not your stories. But the moment you're aware that they're not your story, it is your responsibility to acknowledge them and let them go. I love that. It's the same way how I operate. That's why the non-negotiables, and we were talking about this earlier, self-care and taking time every day to tune in before you become reactive of the world around you, whether it's other people's projections, fears, anxiety that's not my shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and you can take a moment and you'd be like, okay, let me tune in. And you observe it. You're mm -hmm. like, you honor that. And you're like, that's not my shit. This person holds space for them, is working through some shit. I don't need to respond right away. Or how can I respond in a way that they will not become triggered, but separating and creating safe boundaries mm -hmm. out of self-love mm -hmm. to be like, you know what? This doesn't resonate. This is not going to work. Mm -hmm. This goes hand in hand with relationships, with people you work with, anything. Right. And one of the hardest things to embody, and this is a truth that I'm working on still to this day, we talked about this earlier, was that self-love, self-compassion understanding is not always easy. Oh, hell no. There's so much discomfort in the process of self-love. And I think right now we're at an interesting time with the body positive movement. We're at an interesting time with culturally and in the media where I think self-love is getting very distorted and it's a oh. triggering topic for most people to have. And I'm very much an advocate for self-love and embodying self-love, but only you know what self-love is. And so when I see these advertisements that are like, self-love means eating a lot of pizza and drinking a lot of food and staying complacent and being where you are and not growing. I'm like, that is not self-love. Self-love is actually embodying the discomfort of the growth. Self-love is actually doing the things like balancing your bank account when you're in debt and saying, I have to actually confront this. Yeah. Self-love is waking up like we did this morning at 5.30 and saying, I'm going to get to the gym because that's important for my mental, emotional, and physical well-being. Self-love yeah. is about 
taking that extra time every night to cook a meal that feels nourishing for your body, even if it's easier to order Postmates. It's about doing the things that often aren't easy, but it's the thing that we know we deeply need versus what we desire. So our desire is sometimes to say, fuck it. And sometimes that's okay. But often the desire isn't actually the self-love. It's what we need to do for our health and our well-being. You know what I learned? So I kind of relate I love having the physicality every morning of like sweating out toxins or just moving my body so to get the blood flowing. But what I've learned, I started taking on swimming and swimming is like one of the hardest sports I've ever done. And I train with a team and we swim different laps. So sometimes when the coaches start telling us, okay, so this is the set we're doing, you can get so overwhelmed. And that's the thing. I relate that to your transformation when your coach is like, you got to change this, 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 and you're like, oh my God, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. But I break it down into like micro steps. Okay. One lap, Mm -hmm. two laps, three laps. And that is literally every day. If you can just take one step forward every single day towards discomfort of like old Sarah, old Charles wants to do this, but I have set a vision for my life and who I want to embody and who I want to show up as. And these are the steps that I need to take to break the old patterns of old self because the old way of doing things are not going to open those new doors. Right. And every step and every chapter of our lives, we're literally leveling up. Who you were 10 years ago is not who you are today. And I think that's also our surrounding too. A Mm -hmm. lot of people are very there's this thing where people like stay loyal to their friends. It's like, yes, you should have friends that you grow up with. But if you outgrow certain people, you can still hold space for people and love them Mm -hmm. from afar. But you hold space because you want to be committed to your growth. And you want to be around people who are doing the same thing and who are going to hold you accountable. Because sometimes I recognize this and I wonder if you experience the same thing. When you were going through your personal transformation, when I was bettering myself, I had people that would shame me or guilt me into Mm -hmm. like, why are you eating a salad? Like why? Like, you know, they made me feel like they wanted to feel comfortable and I was disrupting their comfort. Right. Yes. You are doing a disservice to yourself by staying in energetic experiences that are not serving your highest well-being. And you're doing even a greater disservice if you know it and Mm. you're aware of it Mm. and conscious of it. Because most of the time we're in those experiences because our subconscious is, again, validating the lack of self-worth, lack of self-esteem, lack of self-confidence. And so we stay committed to these relationships. But if you're aware and you're staying in those experiences, you're doing a disservice to them. You're doing a disservice to the planet. You're doing a disservice to yourself. Because the only way that you're going to lift someone else into a higher state of consciousness, awareness, well-being is by lifting yourself mm-hmm. and being an example of what they can hopefully inspire to be at some point in their life. Yeah. And there's a really powerful quote by Mother Teresa where she says, I can never get poor enough to feed the poor. I can never get sick enough to feed the sick. When we drop to the vibration of other people and stay in the stuckness, we will never lift people out of those levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so it's about saying, yes, there is the responsibility for self first and foremost. And then it's looking around and saying, okay, what does this time on this planet with the energetic experience that I'm holding, how can I use this time to serve of greatest capacity? And it's not sitting around the table 
complaining of that your newest diet isn't working, like this is what I used to do, or sitting and complaining about my weight or not going out and enjoying life because my pants don't fit or worrying that my bathing suit is not going to fit next season. Like these are not things that are serving myself. And had I stayed in that vibrational state and not literally disconnected from it and saying, I want a new reality, then I would have continued to play that loop in my brain. And the other thing is, Every time you have these conversations, it reinforces the neuroplasticity, it reinforces the neural pathway in your brain. And so there's not the opportunity for a new pathway to be created if you're reinforcing the old belief. Yeah, I love that because being mindful of the conversations and the media, for example, you brought up working with your client one-on-one, the idea of self-care to some people they think is very selfish, especially if they have kids, but you're literally just giving them ways to swap out things that they're already doing. If you're watching the news for 30 minutes in the morning, can we swap it to a positive podcast? Mm -hmm. Tune in, subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) But um, things that you can easily swap out that you are already doing. And I'm so mindful of like the places, the people that I surround and am around because Mm -hmm. I realize, yes, this can reinforce If I want to level up and be at a different version, this is why we do accountability groups, masterminds. One of the big powerful things to transformation is not trying to do it all by yourself. I think in the beginning when I was losing weight, yes, I tried to do it by myself, but I realized, and this is why I'm drawn to group classes or meeting up with other people and growing together, not trying to build a brand by yourself. It's like, no, you're not going to get anywhere by yourself. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. honoring the people that came before you. Sometimes when I get invited to talk or do a podcast or, and I'm literally, I say yes, and I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And that's when I know like, yes, this is commitment to your growth. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you were asked to do a talk in I think a month or like two weeks. And I was showing you the message this morning. Yeah, yeah, you're scared. But but yes is the right answer because that's going to be the next level of Sarah Mm -hmm. and the next level of you being able to share and articulate and share your work with the world. Mm -hmm. So when you tie that with something bigger than yourself, and we were going back to this, it's not from an egoic self, but it's like you're being asked to serve and asked to show up. And yes, the next level of yourself is going to require you to be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. scared, but the commitment going back to are you committed to your growth and your bullshit, getting, getting out of the bullshit, getting out of your own way. Yeah. I am in such agreement. And I think If we really were to, well, most of us, and if you're listening now and you think, oh, my life is pretty positive, I encourage you to actually keep a journal for a week. How do you journal? Well, just keep a journal next to you and then pay attention to what are you doing all day long? What information are you Mm. consuming? What kind of conversations are you having? Mm. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? And so it's as simple as saying, what are you listening to on the way to work? What are you doing? Like we were talking about earlier, what are you doing on your breaks? Are you having conversation about how shitty that your job is? Or are you listening to podcasts to get inspired to make a shift in your career? We always have a choice. And I think the more that we connect to self-radical responsibility and saying, I am in charge of my life and only through changing my mind do I change my life and addressing the internal work, can we actually change the external? I find so many people who 
have a negative relationship with food in their body and they use that excuse for everything. They use that excuse for their career, their relationships, their community, their tribe, who they hang out with, what they enjoy. And when we heal that one thing, when we heal the unworthiness, when we heal the lack of self-love. Things don't resonate. It literally, everything crumbles and then they panic like, oh my gosh, everything's crumbling. I'm like, no, this is the most beautiful process in your awakening because you're now understanding the power in which you have. You're understanding your worth on this planet. And then all of a sudden, the career that they want shows up, the relationship they want shows up. And it was all from shifting the relationship with food that was then suppressing this feeling that was then impacting every area of your life. And so we can no longer look at our lives as like little departments and this, we have to look at it as like a puzzle and it all goes together and it's all interconnected. And how you show up in your career impacts how you relate to your health and how you relate to your health impacts how you show up in your career and your confidence and your cognitive ability and the ability to make rational decisions and decisions that are gonna impact your future and your finances. Everything is interconnected. I love this idea. One of my best friends, he's a big CEO of a huge company. And he says, I make all my decisions for my company while I'm meditating. I love that. And I said, wow, that's so powerful. He's like, yeah, because if I make one wrong decision, it impacts my entire business if I make it from a triggered emotional state. Mm. So why would I not go inward to cut everything else out, connect with myself and make the decisions that serve my highest well-being and the company's well-being? Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also gonna get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe and I'll see you on the inside. Hey there, are you loving this podcast? Well, a simple way to support is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and join the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you are never gonna miss out on any details of new projects, products, upcoming events, or behind the scenes stuff that I only share with my inner circle. Also by joining, you're gonna get access to the movement, which means you are part of a free community of individuals standing in their power to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So head on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I love that. I even say that when we're having conversations with other people, you can navigate where you lead with it Mm -hmm. by the questions you ask. Whether you're having a conversation with a cashier and someone wants to go into negativity, I always shift it you have the power to shift the conversations by the questions that you ask someone else. Right. And the energy you bring in, like, you know what? Oh, yeah, it's such a beautiful day. 
Or someone could be like, oh, I hate that it's raining. Well, like, I love the sound of rain. <laughs> like, you know, like, just shift it. To I know the guy this morning was like, we came out of yoga and it was raining and this guy was like, yeah, I don't know if you saw him, but he was like, complaining about his dog in the rain and we were like, we love the rain. Oh, I, didn't, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear him. <laughs> like, oh, that's why I was talking. I saw the dog yeah, and he was yeah, like, yeah. we need to go. <laughs> I know. And I was like, it was so funny because in the moment you were like, I love the rain. I'm like, me too. And I was like, complete shifts in consciousness of just how you choose to, you know, live your life of like, is life, as Tony Robbins says, happening for you or is it working against you? And you are responsible for making that choice, whether life is, is serving you or not serving you. And you get to choose, like you said, if you live in love or fear. Absolutely. And so for anyone who's struggling to do self-care or self-love, I would really advocate for bringing mindfulness to everything that you do in life. Because I think how you do one thing is how you do everything in life. And I make my bed every morning. And it's the art of even if I'm in a rush, I'm like, I need to come home and to know that my space is clean. My mom almost told me growing up, it was like, if your place is a mess, your life is a mess. Like clean up. We always like made a point to clean. So whatever you're doing, whether it's like washing the dishes, it's Washing the dishes is kind of like a reflection and analogy for life when you're working through your shit. You don't mm -hmm. want to work through the shit. The stuff is just going to get grimier and grimier. Mm -hmm. It's going to be harder to fucking get. Whenever I eat, I just like do the dishes right away. Like don't wait, you know, and like have fun with it. Like I'm so grateful like to be able to wash dishes, to be, be able to have friends over for dinner and like. Mm -hmm. bring gratitude and presence to everything you do. Yeah, I think presence, like really, really embodying the belief of like the be here now, be here now. The Ram Dass is a um, famous quote, which really just shifted my entire life once I heard it. It was like, if I'm going to make a choice to be somewhere, then honor that other person's time, honor your time and be present. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, mm. right? It's like, if you are going to do something, at least be present in the experience, be fully engaged because otherwise we're going to look back on life and we're going to miss all the beauty in, yeah. the, in the very things like walking outside in the morning and just seeing the sunrise and breathing in the air when you walk out the door and holding space with someone who's sad and not checking your phone. It's like all the things that are life. This is your life. This yeah. is why we are here is to feel these hundreds of variations of emotions. And yet anytime any of the hundred emotions that are negative come up, we're suppressed, suppressed, do more, have more, be more, check more emails, check more texts, go back yeah. on social media. And we're not witnessing the feelings, positive and negative, that is life. And I think that that's such a beautiful part of well-being is that I believe that people who witness their emotions are actually healthier because they can witness it, they can pause in the moment, they can observe it, and then they can make the responsible choice for them based on what the next step is versus making the choice from a place of avoidance. Love that. So you and Craig do such a great job building community. Thank you. And I really want to talk about that as far as a wellness perspective, mm -hmm. how important community is to hold you accountable and even for everyone who's listening now, I remember when I was transforming my life, and I'm sure when you were transforming your health, to find people that resonated with the new version of yourself mm -hmm. or the person that you were becoming, the people that you can have the conversations and be vulnerable because maybe not everyone was ready because you yeah. would 
reflect something that they were still stuck in. Right. Maybe when you were leaving the modeling agency, you couldn't talk to other girls that were still in it who were trying to do the same shit. Like you needed to remove yourself, find a new tribe of friends and community that aligned. So how important is community and how can people fund community Mm -hmm. while they're transforming? Yeah. What's so interesting is that when I was in the modeling space, I felt like everyone was in competition with one another. Mm. So although we were friendly, there was still an undercurrent or an energy exchange of, why did you get that job? Did my booker not send me on that casting? Mm. There wasn't this overall arching, I'm so happy for you. This is so exciting for you energy. And I knew that disconnect when I was in that space. And it was something I craved so strongly, yet never had the courage to really stand in my power and say, this is what I truly desired. And so when I met my husband, it was something that had been on my horizon of like, I really want to build community and a community where we recognize and witness people for where they are, but yet we still help them evolve and grow to the next level where we can love them exactly as they are and then also help them grow. We can celebrate in each other's successes. That's and we true can, partnership though. That's true community. Right. Versus the we're in competition, we're in collaboration, who's getting ahead, how are we getting ahead? And so when we moved to California, I didn't know anyone. And my husband had to move for his business. And I said, okay, I'm going to move to LA with you. <laughs> this is again, my own ego being like, I'm going to have no friends in LA and you know, I'm going to suffer. I'm leaving my New York behind. And I just trusted that I met him at a divine time where I was meant to go. I was meant to leave New York. I was meant to go to this coast for some reason. And I had said to him, I said, let's make a commitment to one another that we will start hosting masterminds regularly. We'll start hosting these events and that we will build this beautiful community. And I think what people forget and what we recognize is that at the core of who we are fundamentally as humans, we all want connection. We all want community. Everyone, even introverts, even people who are so terrified of it, we all have this desire inherently to be part of a tribe. This is how humans evolved and grew. And when you break down again your ego of, oh, I'm going to invite that person. What if they don't show up? Does that mean they don't like me? Does that mean they're not interested? When you literally let go of the ego and you just do it again for the higher purpose and the vision and you just hold the why, you're not disappointed or sad about the people who aren't excited about your events. You no longer look at it like we have to have this person in the room and we need to have it becomes this detached by deta- form. Yeah, this detached form of the people who will show up, the synchronicity of it will be perfect and divine. And we don't have to even do anything. We just have to say the goal is to build community that supports one another. And we have allowed our community to build the community yeah. through amazing intros and amazing people who have stepped forward and said, I have this person to bring and I have this person. And all of a sudden we've had over 800 people come through our events, all beautiful souls. Yeah. And had I held a story of- It no needs one, to be like this. It or- needs to be like this. And no one's going to want to show up and nobody wants community. And oh, what if they judge us? And what are they going to think about how we run our events? If I had held that story based on my own ego and instead of the vision of just, I'm in service, I'm in service to the people that come through. I'm in service of what we're building. I'm in service of whatever is meant to happen. I don't think we would have had the success we had in building this community. And so- The intention was pure. And I think it all goes back to what is your intention? What is your why? What is your why? And when your why is from the most authentic place of service, the universe just responds. It's, no one knew who I was coming to LA and I 
I literally, I'm trying to think of my first women's mastermind dinner. I remember Natalie, you know, Natalie McNeil. Do you know Natalie? Okay. She's this amazing human. And I had been following her a really long time on social media and I love her. She's one of my dearest friends now, but I remember someone brought her as a guest and I was like, oh my God, Natalie's at the table. What is she going to think of me? Like, is she going to want to be friends with me? And I had a moment of panic because I just respect her so much as a human. And I was like, this isn't what this is about. What is the story around? This is about women coming together, Mm -hmm. empowered. And I just let it go and we've become best friends and she's amazing. But I had that sort of, a lot of people have that, like with Marie Forleo yeah. when they meet Marie or like people that they've been following for so long. And yeah. like, I'm sure people feel that like way with you. Oprah, like yeah, yeah. I think I would like literally like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Or if you met Will Smith, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we, all, yeah we all have those, but I think you realize that they are just you. Mm-hmm. They're just reflection of you. And when you can like bring it down to that, because that's all the media frenzy that builds right, people right. up and make it bigger than, but it's like people are just humans. People. And going back to what you said, connection. Everyone wants true, authentic, meaningful connection. Yeah. And when you hold space for someone and lock them into the old stories, mm-hmm. you don't give them room to grow. And I realized those people almost want more room to feel less judged, to be free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And heart to heart. It's mm-hmm. like, People just want people to genuinely see them, like you said, be seen for who you are and to hold space and love and, and show up and say, how do we really make the planet a better place? Not through all of the media frenzy, but really just heart to heart. And that's why I love what you're doing with Zeal is that the one thing that they can't take away, like the one thing that we can't take away through online and through social media, and regardless of what algorithm changes and if our websites get pushed to the bottom doesn't matter. You can't take away human connection, like you said. And that's why I love what you're doing is this is something that we have to get back to the basics. We have to get back to the basics with our health. When you look at the research scientifically, what actually creates change in your health are the things that don't cost anything, that are so simple that anyone can do. It's like water, leafy greens, yes, are probably do have a cost, but it's like water, leafy greens, sleep, mindfulness, meditation, movement, being in nature. Community, community, touch, touch, forgiveness, yeah, letting go, spirituality, a connection to a higher purpose. None of these things cost anything. Yeah, and that's why it's like, what are you chasing? What is the story that you've been conditioned to believe that is false? And when you realize and you have that switch of like, holy shit, what am I doing? You know, it makes you prioritize what is important in your life. And what are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because when I spend time with my family, I go back and I spend time with my family in Asia and Taiwan, when I'm laughing hysterically with my mom and crying from laughters of joy, lost in the present moment, like talking about experiences and just like, I'm like, this is what I live for. Mm -hmm. Why are you not doing that more often? Why do you have a belief system that you have to get somewhere to receive love? Well, one of the reasons I see specifically when I ask those questions of why can't you experience happiness, joy, because people are scared to feel. Mm. They're scared to feel that happiness. And what you've done, which has been so profound in watching your journey for the last couple of years, and then also knowing about your journey is that you've allowed yourself to feel Mm. and the range of emotions, whether that's the happiness, the joy, the laughter, which allows us to be present or the sorrow, the sadness, the anger, the grief, the pain. And in those moments of feeling, 
we are alive and we're present and we're able to witness the depths of who we actually are. Yeah, and explore and to leave room to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I like this mm -hmm. or I, you know, but I want to lead this back to love. Mm -hmm. What belief systems did you shift with your old relationship with self and like love? Like when Craig came into your life because sometimes we're like, oh, that's not him. Because I don't know if you have this. Like, you know, when you're like, oh, I have an idea of what I want in my... Like when people create their vision boards, you're not what I asked for. Him. You do not look like him. You know, like... That's Greg. Yeah. So like, I would love... The first time you guys met, what shifted? What was there? Was like the surrender of ego to like, oh, mm -hmm. tell me. Well, still to this day, I think... There's always shifts happening between both of us. I think the beauty of our relationship is that we allow each other to witness our wounding in a non-judgmental place. And what I mean by that is we're open to this idea of being in commitment and partnership while still evolving. And so we're constantly in this evolution. I mean, Craig was definitely, when I first met him several years ago, I was like, there's no way this is my partner. We'll be friends. And he was literally like my no list. He had multiple things on the no Red list. Flags. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like multiple no's. But what was so beautiful was that I witnessed his transformation in addressing his wounding patterns around relationships and he witnessed mine. And so we evolved very much. Together, but there was a commitment. Right. And there was a commitment to it. And for me, part of the reason I suffered from believing that I was worthy of a partnership was I had so much guilt and shame around how I behaved for several years. Like I went into a story that I wasn't worthy of love because I wasted my life away and I destroyed my body and I hurt myself. And I had so much guilt and shame, not to even forgive other people, but I had to forgive myself. That's sometimes the hardest thing. And I carried this belief that I wasn't worthy of love and that karmically this like negativity was going to come back at me. And I continued to work with Shandrash from Break the Norms, who is my coach even to this day and it always like every session just kept back to forgive yourself forgive yourself forgive mm. yourself forgive yourself because not only are you having to forgive your mother and forgive the people in relationship to you growing up but what's done is done it's in the past yeah. and carrying the vibrational experience of it is impacting your relationship and you're mm. sabotaging it and you're getting triggered and you're creating this energetic experience with your partner that is very much from a place of wound. wound. It's like this wound of, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I did all these bad things in my life. I, you know, wasted my life away. I did things I'm not proud of. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. I, I really did. I chose a career where I made other women feel insecure about their bodies because of what I looked like in a magazine and what I sold with through products. And I got breast implants because I wanted to keep my modeling career going. And I promoted breast implants to other women that now we're seeing breast implants make people very sick. And I have no judgment if, if you have implants and are listening, but, but like these were stories I was telling myself of choices I made that were very much out of alignment with who I'd become. But my coach kept telling me that if I continued to live in the experience and not let them go, then again, I'm not doing a service to the planet by holding my past in relationship to Craig and other friends and people in my life. Like that's not fair to them to continue to hold. 
these wounding patterns of self-sabotage. So what shifted as far as attracting Craig into your life, knowing, you know, this is who I'm going to grow with? Like Mm -hmm. for anyone who's looking for love, which I never say you should look for love, Mm -hmm. you should just embody and align yourself so you attract love. Mm Because I think that's so much better than you magnetize people. I struggle with not wanting to do any dating apps because I just, it's an energetic exchange and I just don't believe I've been to Tinder weddings and by all means, do <laughs> you? What? Tinder weddings. Tinder, we- oh, okay, weddings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been invited to many weddings where people met on apps and good for you, but I just know that that's not how I'm going to meet my partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. So, wait. Like, advice, <laughs> advice on love. Advice, or, advice yeah, on love. Obviously- I like I was in my head visualizing like this Tinder wedding. <laughs> um, so I think there's the idea where you definitely need to continue to work on yourself and evolve and embody self-love in order to attract your partner. I also believe from a spiritual perspective in divine timing and mm. karmic contracts and sacred contracts and that we choose people to attract into our lives at certain moments that are going to be that mirror. Mm. And we have a choice in that moment to honor the mirror and say, okay, this person's going to be a mirror for me and I'm going to use this experience as this opportunity to grow or I'm going to continue to shut it down and I'll wait for the next relationship. And for me, I just felt like it was a divine time where we were both doing the internal work and saying, okay, I'm willing to commit to this as long as we're both evolving and feeling called in this relationship to continue to grow together. And even our wedding vows, we never say till death do us part. We say we do have a lot about infinity and infinity and beyond and that our consciousness and our awareness will grow. But we have made a commitment every day to say, I'm going to wake up today and do the work that I need to do, the Mm. radical responsibility. And he just did 10 days at Hoffman Institute, or 10 days away at a childhood deconditioning program and been doing multiple hours of therapy every week. And so it's, I think there's this fluffy Pinterest image online that like people are so happy and all the relationships I know, (laughs) they're happy and they're doing a significant amount of work. It's a great question. I think my advice would be, If you meet someone, if you're doing the work, trust in the process that you will attract someone who is also willing to do the work and be open to that experience where two people are evolving together. I think it's very challenging to do the work alone. Oh, yeah. So I think that's like the holding that vision. And for me, that was the biggest vision I held. It was that I wanted someone who was willing to do the self-development, the personal Mm. internal work while also holding space and having the awareness to witness me as I am and love me as I am, but still hold the higher version of who I could become. And I think Craig is really great at that. He's very great at saying, I love you today. And and today you're scared to get on the mic, but I know someday you're going to be a speaker. And so I'm going to hold you to that. And continuously every day saying, have you worked on your speaking yet? And not from a place of like, you're not good enough, but from a place of empowerment and accountability. And that's just not with speaking, but that's all aspects of Yeah me that he witnesses and sees an evolution that could be improved. And so I would say holding the vision that you get to meet this partner who will witness you as you are and love you as you are, but still have the ability to be a mirror for your wounding and help you grow into someone else. And if you can hold that vision, it's really beautiful who you bring into your life because there's no more wounding around, oh, I have to be perfect before I meet the perfect partner. I have to look a certain way. I have to be a certain way. No, they're going to love you as you are and still want you to become a better version of yourself. 
Love, love, love that. One question. What are you most excited about today, right now? Well, I'm excited about 2020. I think the time that we're living in right now is one of the most amazing times to be alive, where we get to witness the evolution of individuals coming together to empower one another. And I think that's the commitment that I'm holding for this year is just to continue as you are through zeal to really empower other coaches and people in different parts of the world to step up. Mm. We all need to say it's time. We have to step up. We have to, there is no greater time and it's crucial that we all stand in our power. And I'm committed to helping anyone who is lacking the confidence to stand up and step up. And I think we just have to, it's like the planet needs us needs to us. step up. Yeah. And people are willing to, sometimes they just need that boost of confidence. So I've made some commitments with myself in terms of mentoring different people every month. And I love what you're doing with Zeal with going into communities. I think it's very easy to get into the wellness space in LA or New York, but other parts of the country really need this voice and, and we need to be heard in other parts of the country as well. So that's my commitment this year. I'm just like... Do you commit to a word or how do you well, bring in the new year? Like, Because you know, like people have different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people have their goals or whatever, but I don't do goals. Mm-hmm. Last year, my word was ease. And I will tell you, I was it ease. It was ease, and I know it was anything but ease. Last year was like one of the hardest years for me. Yeah, and I'm like, I just kept getting hit and hit and hit. Mm. And then I realized at the end of the year, I was so attached to it being easy that the universe was like, nope, not going to happen because you are attached. You're not detached. Mm. You're not trusting in this process of it just being easy and feel. You're literally like, it has to be easy, otherwise I'm a failure. It has to be easy, otherwise something's wrong with my life. And so sometimes I think we make these goals, but then the universe throws something at us to really wake us up for this <laughs> always. year. <laughs> always. Like, no, 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 not easy yeah. for you. But this year I went to Big Sur and I really connected to just the vision of growing my brand in a way that serves. And what's so beautiful is when I was writing my book and I would get challenged and it was hard, I would just close my eyes and connect to the future version of other people reading the book. Mm-hmm. And I would say, help me write the book. The service, tap into that energy. Tap into the service of the energy because I'm like, I'm not writing this book. If there's really the belief that time doesn't exist, when my book catches up in time to the people that read the book, they actually co-wrote the book with me. So what if I just close my eyes, connect to service, connect to the people who are in the future experience Mm -hmm. that are writing this book with me? I know this might sound woo-woo to some of you. No, this is so helpful for any... But it's like anytime you're challenged, just connect to the future version of yourself that already is part of who you are. It lives within you. And also recognize that for me, part of this year is really, I have this belief that self-love, we think self-love fluctuates in our experience, right? We think it goes up and down and so forth. Well, self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence is always inherent in you. It's just that you're allowing it to fluctuate based on the stories. Like you at your divine essence, your love. And we all are, yeah, right? Unconditional love, love. Unconditional love at our essence. It doesn't actually fluctuate. Our mind fluctuates and therefore our behaviors and our habits fluctuates. But who we are at the core is always love. And so that was one of my other visions for this year is just really connecting to the core essence of who I am in every moment that feels disheartening or challenging and feels like a struggle and just witnessing myself in those experiences and saying, oh, how do I keep coming back? How do I keep coming back? How do I keep coming back to what is already 
true to what is already in me, to what I know is unconditional. That are very general themes, but those were some things that I thought about at the beginning of the year that I want to embody. So we'll see what universe <laughs> throws do, wait, do you have a word for this year? I guess love, like self-love was one of the big ones for me, but I think love in itself. Love. Love. I like that. So we're going to leave. I think I'm going to start doing this. You just co-created this with me, Sarah. Is based on the quote, your quality of life is based on the quality of questions you ask yourself. Mm. What is one question that you invite our listeners to ask themselves? One of my favorite questions that I ask in a moment of decision-making is, am I operating from a place of self-love or self-sabotage? And when you close your eyes and you take a deep breath and you disconnect from the choice you're about to make and you put your hand on your heart and you ask yourself again, am I operating from a place of self-love or self-sabotage? You'll know in that moment, is that pizza self-love or self-sabotage? Is that wine self-love or self-sabotage? Is choosing not to work out today self-love or self-sabotage? Is choosing to work out today self-love or self-sabotage? Every decision we can again choose, is it love or fear? And sometimes going to work out is actually self-love, right? It's embodying self-love, but sometimes it's self-sabotage if you're doing it from an ego place of saying, I have to lose this weight and I've already worked out today and and I'm so worried because I just ate that food. That would be an act of self-sabotage. And it's just a very simple practice that I think is very powerful, again, to continue to connect to your inner voice. And if you disconnect from the choice, your intuition will immediately tell you what you're operating from. I love that. Tune in. So where can everybody find you, Sarah, and your amazing work? <laughs> you can find me at Sarah Ann Stewart on Instagram. It's the perfect place to connect. Send me a message if you're interested in any of this content. I always get back to everyone. It might take a minute, but I will get back to you. And then SarahAnnStewart.com is the perfect place to find all my content. I'm so thankful for being here. It was a beautiful conversation. It was so much fun. Can we just do this all the time? I know. (laughs) This is my life. I get to hang out with amazing people and talk about self-love. How could anything be better? Thank Thank you you for for listening, everyone. And thank you, Sarah, for showing up and being you and sharing from your heart. Yeah, we feel the love. Thank you. Hey there, thank you so much for staying until the end. It is always so refreshing to be around people like Charles who also have the awareness of doing the inner work and how it is required to truly make positive, sustainable shifts. As we discussed, it is so important to have a community around you that also understands that the inner work is required, especially when you're stepping into and fully embodying the next level of health and well-being. I encourage you to take notice of who's in your life, who is helping you step into your healthiest you, and who in your life might be energetically impacting you to stay comfortable with where you are now. I encourage you to journal on what relationships might need a shift in order for you to step into the life that you truly desire. If you enjoyed this interview, it would mean the world to me if you could screenshot it and tag me on Instagram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And let me know your thoughts along with what steps you're taking this week to embody your greater level of health. As always, I want to connect with you and learn where you are on your journey. And I want to support you. Thank you for being here. And as always, I'm sending you so much love for the next week ahead. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. 
So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.